Nevertheless, the gloom of the distressed land will not be like that of the former times when he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will bring honour to the way of the sea, to the land east of the Jordan and to Galilee of the nations. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. A light has dawned on those living in the land of darkness. You have enlarged the nation and increased its joy. The people have rejoiced before you as they rejoiced at harvest time and as they rejoice when dividing spoils. For you have shattered their oppressive yoke and the rod on their shoulders, the staff of their oppressor, just as you did on the day of Midian. For the trampling boot of battle and the bloodied garments of war will be burned as fuel for the fire. For a child will be born for us, a son will be given to us, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. The dominion will be vast and its prosperity will never end. He will reign on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish and sustain it with justice and righteousness from now on and forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. Thanks, Rachel. I forgot to introduce myself before. My name's Ross. I'm one of the pastors here at Janali, and it's great to be with you uh, this Christmas Eve. It's a beautiful time of year and an important time uh, for us to get together. I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to have a think about what Isaiah chapter 9 uh, means for us tonight. Let's pray. Uh, Father God, I thank you for bringing us here. I thank you for the way that uh, you gather us from near and far. I thank you for old faces and for new tonight. I pray for us as we read your word. Help us in this moment just to slow down, to pause, to reflect, to consider the things that matter, and to consider again a story we may have heard thousands of times before and see it with completely new eyes. We pray all these things in your Son, Jesus' name. Amen. As I said just then, as I was praying, uh, Christmas is often a good time to pause and reflect, isn't it? It's an opportunity like no other. It's a time where we spend uh, with friends and family and we can think about what matters to us most. As I was pausing and reflecting this week, I was thinking about how uh, often lots of different families, they have Christmas traditions. Many of us uh, will play different kind of games at Christmas. But I think there's one Christmas tradition that every single person has, one game that we all play. Uh, Let's call it the Christmas game. And the Christmas game uh, has really very simple rules. Here are the rules. The aim of the game is that between December 1 and December 25, you have to be happy all the time. That's how the Christmas game works. You have to smile, be upbeat, say kind of lame Christmas cliches. You have to watch certain Christmas movies and pretend you like them, even though you don't. You kind of got to be happy. And the key is, whenever something makes you unhappy, there's only one thing you must do. You must push it down and squish it into a tiny little ball and try to forget about it, okay? And whenever you see anyone, you have to smile your best fake 
smile like your year three school photo, right? Like that's the vibe, okay? It's the Christmas game. Do you play the Christmas game? You do. We all play the Christmas game. And the funny thing about the Christmas game is that on one hand, we want to play, right? Like Christmas is a happy time. I want to be joyful. Who wants to be sitting there on December 24th being like, I'm sad. No one wants to do that. We want to be happy. We want to be positive. But on the other hand, there is actually just a certain darkness and discord in our lives, isn't there? Like if we're honest. If we're honest about the world that we live in and the lives that we live, there's just this kind of darkness that seems to suffocate the light. We think about it uh, at Christmas as we think about what's going on in our world. Maybe uh, this Christmas you're, you know, preparing for a nice meal. You're looking forward to giving out presents to people that you love. But in the back of your mind, you can't help but think about people living in Ukraine. You can't help uh, but think about what little kids might wake up to tomorrow living in a war-torn city. Or you think about the Gaza Strip. And you think about the mums and the dads who live in the Gaza Strip. And you think about how hard they've toiled over the past weeks to just keep their kids safe, let alone put on a beautiful meal. I heard last week about two women in Gaza. Uh, They're followers of Jesus. They were seeking refuge in a little church. One night, uh, they were moving from one building in the compound to another. As they crossed Uh, The gap in between the two buildings, a sniper positioned across the road, uh, shot one of the two women, most likely the daughter. It was a mum and her daughter. The mum picked her daughter up and she attempted to carry her to safety. As she did that, the sniper reloaded and he shot her. And they both died. And I thought, what on earth is wrong with the world? darkness just seems to suffocate the light, doesn't it? That darkness that we speak about, that suffocating feeling, that moment where our joy seems to just be extinguished like that, it doesn't just happen over there, it happens in our own lives. When we think about Christmas and we think about the Christmas game, often we're playing it on Christmas Day, aren't we? We're we're praying it because there's Uncle Bill and no one talks to Uncle Bill anymore because of what Uncle Bill did 20 years ago but we still pretend like it's okay. So often that discord, that darkness, it's present in our own relationships. There are people who we don't want to talk to. There are people who, whenever we think about them, we feel anxiety and panic in our bodies and our brains. There's so much brokenness in our relationships. We long for peace. You can imagine the people in Gaza. You can imagine the people in Ukraine. They long for peace, don't they? And that peace, it's not just between warring parties. That darkness that we experience, it's not just in our external relationships. We feel it in our own brains as well, don't we? It's not just on YouTube. So many of us this year would have had moments where we just didn't feel okay. So many of us would have had moments where we didn't know how we were going to get through the week. That suffocating feeling was in our heads and in our hearts. But we play the Christmas game. 
We smile. We say the cliche phrases. We pretend like life is okay. But desperately, we all just want a little bit, a moment of relief. We want peace. We don't want darkness to continue to suffocate the light. You know, as we read Isaiah 9, we really are reading a story about some people living in darkness. Did you pick that up in the first verse? It's the people living in darkness. But what Isaiah 9 speaks about is not darkness suffocating light, but the very opposite. It speaks about how light comes into the darkness and it breaks it. It bursts forth and brings a joy and a hope and a beauty. And what I want to show you tonight is that darkness doesn't have to win. In fact, darkness cannot win because a new light has dawned. And let me show you how that's the case. And my prayer is that maybe just this might give you a renewed sense of hope now and into the new year amidst the darkness and the discord that we see. So have a look with me. Verse 2 of chapter 9. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. A light has dawned on those living in the land of darkness. There is such joy, isn't there, when light comes in the midst of darkness? That's what we read next. Uh, We get these two pictures of where light or joy comes. We get these two pictures of the sheer beauty and delight when peace arrives on the scene. I don't know what you think about when you think about light in the midst of darkness. Uh, In the story, we we read about peace coming in wartime. We read about uh, harvest times and the beautiful bounty that comes. When I think about light coming in the midst of darkness, I think about babies being born in the middle of the night after hard and difficult labours. I think about uh, people that we love coming out of life-saving surgeries. I think about that moment when people I know whose deep and dark depressions have just paused or ceased, even for a moment. There's something so powerful in there. When there's been such a moment of darkness where you can't see your way through, and all of a sudden, that darkness breaks and the light dawns. Maybe you've just experienced that in your own life, in the middle of the night, when you've been sitting in your troubled thoughts, you felt like there was no way through, and then the sun rose, you had a coffee, and life felt a little bit more okay. Light in darkness is amazingly powerful, and we all seek it, we all want it. The question is, where do we get it? Well, that's what verse 6 tells us. Have a look at verse 6. For a child will be born for us, a son will be given to us, and the government will be on his shoulders. Now, i tell you what, I think that is a bizarre answer. If you were to walk down the street in Janali, stop off at one of the coffee shops and ask people, where do you think world peace will come from? And someone said to you, I think a child will be born to us. You would think they were crazy, right? Like that is a, That's a ridiculous answer. A child will be born to us. But that's what Isaiah 9 promises. 
it says that this darkness, this discord that's out there, that's in here, that's all around us, it's fixed through the birth of a baby. And this isn't just an anomaly in the Bible. All the way through the Bible, we get this promise, this promise that one day God will send someone. He will send a saviour and a king. And this saviour king will bring hope and peace and restoration to the whole world. And what I love about this promise is, I love that this promise is not about what we do to fix the problem. Did you notice that little word there? A child will be born for us. A son will be given to us. So often we think that it's about us being smarter, or it's about us trying harder, or it's about us doing something different or unique or better, and then we will fix the problem. No, the story of the Bible is that we cannot solve the problem on our own. The story of grace. The gift of Jesus is the only hope that we have. And did you notice uh, the way this child is described? Not only is the answer to the world's problems a child, which is surprising in and of itself. Notice the way he's described. I think this is just as surprising. Listen to his description, the back end uh, of verse 6. He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. When we think about leaders today, most of the time uh, we sum up leaders with words like decisiveness or strong. That's not how this little child is described, is he? Now he conquers the world not through ruthlessness, not through being decisive. He conquers the world through kindness and love, and gentleness, and sacrifice. I think that's beautiful. That's what our world needs more of. Not ruthless, decisive, brave, bold leaders. That's yuck. What we need is gentle, kind, patient, loving, sacrificial leaders. It's a surprising answer in Jesus, this little child. It's a surprising kind of person, gentle, kind, and loving. And as I've threaded in a few times, when we ask, well, who is this child? We kind of know the answer. We've heard it a million times before. We know that the answer is that this child to be born to us, this mighty God, this wonderful counselor, this prince of peace, is Jesus. And peace is exactly what Jesus is on about. In so many ways, that's what the Christmas story is all about. It's about how Jesus brings peace. It's about how Jesus brings light into the darkness. It's about how Jesus brings us hope. We find it not out there. We find it not within us. We find it in the birth of this little baby. And the peace that Jesus brings, he brings it to us and to our world. And he brings it now. And he brings it in the future. You see, Jesus brings peace to all of us if we want it right now. How? Well, Jesus offers us peace with God. You know, before I I spoke about how so many of us, 
we feel this kind of brokenness inside of us or we notice this darkness, this discord outside of us. The reality is that all of that darkness, all of that discord, all of that brokenness and trouble, it all comes back to a single source. It all comes back to the problem from the very beginning that humans, people like me, people like you, we've pushed away God. We've separated ourselves from a good and loving creator. It's what people call sin. And the reality is that the world has just been breaking apart. We've just been falling apart ever since. We've separated ourselves from God. And Jesus, what does he do? What's his purpose? What's his mission? What's the whole thing about? What's about bringing people back together? It's about bringing God and us back together. That's why Jesus came. He came to seek and to save the lost. He came to reconcile us to a good and loving God again. And he does that by taking away the problem, the thing that's between us. There's often something between people, isn't there? Well, the thing between us and God is sin. Our sin pushes God away and Jesus takes that away. And so now we all, you and me, can have peace with God here and now. And the wonderful thing is, when you experience that kind of peace, that reconciliation, that new relationship, it starts to flow out into so many other areas of your life. If you've never known that kind of peace, if you still feel a distance between you and God and you want that to change, that can change. It can change tonight. Come and chat to me later. I'd love to help you think about that. But it's not just peace now. You see, the reality is that Jesus came once, but the Bible says that he will come again. He will come again in the future. And when he comes again in the future, he brings peace, not just here and now, but peace for all eternity. Because when he returns, he will take away all that is evil and all that is broken, and it will be no more. And so Jesus is the Prince of Peace. He's the one who brings peace with God now, and he's the one who will come back again and bring peace for all time. Often when we think about this world, we just feel like darkness and discord, they, they win the day, don't we? You often hear phrases like, you know, our world is hurtling towards disaster. Have you heard a phrase like that? People say stuff like that all the time. I heard someone uh, I know the other day say that that's actually the totally wrong way of thinking about the world. That when you see the world from God's perspective, it's not hurtling towards disaster. It's hurtling towards hope. And I think that is beautiful and true. Where is our world going? Well, if you listen to God, it's hurtling towards hope. Towards the day when darkness and discord, when sickness and pain are no more, and when the Prince of Peace brings peace all of us. So this Christmas, as you do your best to play the Christmas game, as you push those smiles just a little bit higher at your awkward Christmas lunch tomorrow, remember the Prince of Peace. Remember that Jesus gives us a way not just to put on a fake smile, but to have a true and inner joy, a joy that survives the darkness, a joy that doesn't let the darkness suffocate the light but lets the light burn bright despite the darkest of night. Let me pray.
Father God, we just thank you for the joy we have this Christmas. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you that when he came, he came to bring us peace. We pray that you help us to find peace this Christmas. Help us to reflect on who you are and to find and know you and to know the joy that you bring. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.